Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, what's up? Middle of the week, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Robbie Falk is in today in place of Brian Haydad. If you listen to the Thunder and Lightning podcast, you know Robbie, and uh, you also probably read his work at 24-7 Sports, covers Mississippi State, and uh, is going to sit in with us for the entire show this afternoon. Also is going to sit in for Brian Haydad tonight on Thunder and Lightning on the radio as uh, Brian Haydad continues his uh, vacation in, uh, is there a nickname for St. Louis? It's, it, it's the, the, I don't know if there's a, anyway, the Arch City. I don't know. I haven't heard that I don't one. St. Louis? St. Saint Louis, maybe? Don't, don't they cut bagels weird there? Uh, is there? I don't uh, think they slice them the way everybody else in the world slices them. I think bagel shops in, in St. Louis will do it that way, but also cut them vertically into little narrow slices oh, really? like that. Yeah. Hmm. I don't think Haydad is partaken in the uh, bagels. He doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> A lot of barbecue. Big bagel, bagel guy. Uh, he does not. We're coming no. to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios, as always. Pearl River Resort, the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Hey, guys, I've got a 9 o'clock tea time on Friday morning. Y'all in? <laughs> I'm getting in the car Friday morning, and the forecast says the the f- feels-like temperature will be negative 7 when we get in the car to drive, on you might want to go out and crank the car before you guys put uh, put James in. Uh, it's going to be a little chilly, so get get it good and warm and toasty before you uh, leave the house. That feels like that might be a uh, a good plan. Yeah. Uh, look, Friday is probably not a good day to play golf at Dancing Rabbit. It's going to be cold. They're going to have the greens covered. That's not that's kind of a non-starter, but. You know that we're going to get some breaks in the weather during the winter and rolling into the spring. You know that spring is just around the corner. And you know that Christmas is just four days away. And if you're one of those people who has not yet gotten a Christmas gift for someone that is, I don't know, perhaps a golfer in your life, how about a gift card to Dancing Rabbit? Call them up. Talk to them. Just go on their website. You can book a tee time at DancingRabbitGolf.com. Pay for it right there if you want. It's easy, and it is sure to make the golfer in your life happy. That's DancingRabbitGolf.com. 
if you want to be a part of the conversation. We'd love to hear from you this afternoon in these uh, on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. You want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from ceasefire business, ceasefire.com slash business. Today is National Signing Day. And we're not quite to the point of if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there to hear it, does it make a sound? But, Robbie, you've covered recruiting for a long time. You've covered a lot of National Signing Days, and it is so drastically different than it was, what, I guess four years ago and then for a decade prior to that. There's no doubt. Today was the weirdest signing day I've ever been a part of for Mississippi State. I mean, you're talking about... Really, no drama whatsoever. They signed everybody they were supposed to. Um, you know, the the big fish, I guess, of the class was Isaac Smith, who decided today to to sign with Mississippi State. But you didn't have anybody flip unexpectedly. You didn't have any kind of drama, any any decommitments or anything like that. Kind of refreshing uh, to tell you the truth, because signing day for Mississippi State fans has always been anxiety filled. Something that, you know, they're always dreading Ole Miss is going to come in at the last second and get somebody. They're always dreading that, you know, LSU is going to come get somebody. It's always looking for what, what, what is bad that's about to happen to the signing class. But the, I think a credit to the Mississippi State staff for making sure that this signing class stayed intact. But really, I mean, the easiest signing day I've ever seen at Mississippi State. We've got three hours. We're going to walk through Mississippi State's class, and we're going to take a look at the guys that signed today that are going to kind of make up the future of that roster. We will talk about that for Mississippi State. We'll talk about it for Ole Miss. We'll talk about it for Southern Miss as well. But there is a very different strategy in the way the classes are being put together. Mississippi State signed a lot of guys today. Ole Miss went with a very small number with the expectation that they're going to be really, really active in the portal uh, going forward, it is an altogether different strategy for approaching recruiting and signing periods altogether. We'll get into that, but I want to go to something that you said, Robbie, because we, we've seen the drama field signing days, right? I mean, it, it, whether you want to go back to to Chris Jones, or I, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Chris Jones. I mean, that was one as well, right? I mean, the the entire story with Chris Jones. From nobody knew about him to Mississippi State offers him. He's coming out of Houston High School. He explodes in the camp circuit leading into his senior year, puts together a dominant senior year. Now he's on everybody's radar, climbs all the way to a five-star. Mississippi State's trying to hold on for dear life. Ole Miss nearly got him. It was weird to the point that he and Hugh Freeze continued to communicate with each other after he was at Mississippi State because of the relationship they built. But ultimately, he stuck with Mississippi State. C.J. Johnson is a different story, right? I mean, kind of back and forth. That was one that Mississippi State folks wanted very badly. Ole Miss wanted very badly. He ultimately goes to Ole Miss. And here's the crazy thing. Whatever was going on behind the scenes to either convince those guys to go to one school or try to convince them to go to another school is now... Open. It's 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 accepted. It's legal. There are no shenanigans. It's just how big is your payroll, and can you convince somebody to take it? It's a it's just a different world altogether. Yeah, that's probably had an effect on it. To be honest with you, I mean, you you kind of know where you are right now. You don't have this backhand 
you know, back alley dealings with boosters, uh, bag men, or whatever um, uh, around the town. I mean, it's kind of everything's kind of organized at this point, and um, you know, I I don't know what your feelings are on that, but I kind of like the fact that we went through this day, and there really really wasn't a whole lot of drama for very many people inside the state of Mississippi. I mean, it was kind of business as usual, and you mentioned it. I mean, you're talking about two different philosophies between Ole Miss and Mississippi State. you got a team in Mississippi State that's they've kind of kept the the same mentality on the recruiting trail that they had before NIL. You still have uh, you know a heavy dose of Mississippi players. You still have a heavy dose of high school players. And Ole Miss, they're, they're hitting at a high rate in their class with the high school guys, and they're going to fill spots with, with the uh, transfer portal. I don't know yet what the right call is on that. I, th- yeah. I think it's still in the air, you know. We can copy and paste what we said about Ole Miss's class last year to, to this year, just change the name of the players. It, you know, they so far uh, have signed 11, apparently there's a wide receiver that – is going to announce his commitment tonight, so that that may get it up to twelve. Um, as Robbie said, seven of the eleven are four stars, though. So blue chip ratio in the class is good. But copy and paste it from last year. Eleven wasn't the number they wanted. They wanted a couple more guys, three, four more guys. So instead of eleven, they probably would have preferred like fifteen. But still intentionally small because in their mind they can get impact players in the transfer portal. And to their credit. Two years, it worked. I mean, their quarterback, one of their two running backs, two of their three leading wide receivers, <laughs> starting defensive tackle, starting linebacker, and two safeties were transfer guys. And two, uh, one defensive end transfer guy, backup defensive end transfer. I mean, y- you hear me here. So, um, kicker. A kicker, and he was a good one. So, what will define this class is the fact that one, they got Perkins and, and a wide receiver from from right here, you know, two miles from where I sit. A uh, couple of other four stars, one on the defensive line, but they're going to be defined success or fail based on what they do in the transfer portal here moving forward. The class is halfway full. They're going to sign more portal guys than high school guys. If those don't hit, then you can look back at, at this talent acquisition class, if you will, not just recruiting class, but recruiting in portal class, as a failure or a success based on what happens from here. There's there's so much more to add for them compared to Mississippi State, just 90 miles south, who have already added a couple portal guys. I'm sure they will do a couple more, because that's just how everybody goes about it. It won't be 15, though. <laughs> so... We will see how successful Ole Miss is moving forward. Today, they're not anywhere close to done. And, and you know, Robbie was talking a second ago about the fact that, you know, you didn't have the big flips. You know, people joke about flipmas and blah, blah, blah. That's not just here, right? It's not just here in the state of Mississippi. It was largely that way across the country. There are a few. Um, Auburn did a lot of swinging and missing. But they connected on a big one, on a on a kid from Georgia who was committed to Ohio State who reneged on that commitment as opposed to calling it decommitted, which, whatever. I mean, I guess that has become a word. And, and they end up with that. Um, you know, you had a kid earlier in the week who had been committed to Oregon who ultimately uh, decides to go to UCLA to play for Chip Kelly, a five-star quarterback. There wasn't a ton of that. 
I mean, you, you had it earlier this week with uh, with Marcel Reed, right, who had been committed to Ole Miss, who backed off of that and ultimately signing with uh, Texas A&M. Let's take a look at these classes when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi just getting started with you in the Pearl River Resort studio on this Wednesday afternoon, the 21st of December. Mississippi. Hey, it's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. Pretty paper, pretty ribbons, blue. Wrap your presents to your darling from you. Pretty pencil to write. I love you. All right, so let's look at uh, look at some of these names in the recruiting classes at Mississippi State, at Ole Miss, and at Southern Miss. State's got the biggest class. So let's start with, with them. An in-state uh, makeup of uh, a little better than half of the class. Robbie, what's the number? What, is it 23 for Mississippi State? Is that right? Yes, they have two transfer portal guys, uh, Kamar Rogers and Rodarius Jones, 23 high school guys. So I think 16 maybe Mississippi guys. I could be wrong on that. Okay. Where it's an Leon old school Mississippi State class. Is Leon Bell a transfer also? He's a JUCO guy. Okay, that's junior college. So that's, a, that's a different one. All right, so let's just walk through these. Yeah. Uh, Isaac Smith, and, and that was a, a big deal. Four-star receiver out of IAHS. That's Fulton, Mississippi, Itawamba, uh, Agricultural High School, uh, across the board, 24-7, rivals, ESPN, on three, all had him ranked as a, a four-star uh, receiver. In terms of his position, he is, uh, I'm sorry, I said safety, not wide receiver. I said wide receiver. I meant to say safety. Forgive me for that. In terms of position ranking, he's top 30 across the board. As high as number seven, that's where Rivals has him ranked at his position. ESPN's got him at number nine. 24-7's got him at 27. On three's got him at 23. So a consensus top 30 safety, Isaac Smith. Robbie, tell us a little bit more about him. Just um, a kid that the physical and mental makeup is already there to be a, a a factor next year, I think, in the secondary for Mississippi State. And it's pretty much the most important position for Mississippi State in this recruiting class because they're losing several safeties. They're losing Jalen Green. They're losing Jackie Matthews. Colin Duncan declared for the NFL draft. So it's wide open for him to come in and compete right away at a starting position at safety. And just the, like I said, physically and mentally, it just feels like he's ready to come do that. He's going to be an early graduate. Everything's set up for him to come in and, and play right away. I don't know if that was going to be the case at a lot of other places, especially at LSU, who's bringing in several safeties as well. And the one thing that I always said about Isaac Smith, and I feel like this is true for anybody, you need to follow where they're visiting. You need to follow their actions. I don't really care what recruits are saying to reporters, what they're saying on social media. 
wherever they're ending up every week or how often they're going somewhere, that's usually where they're going to end up. And he was at every single Mississippi State home game. He took an official visit. Then he was back at Mississippi State for an unofficial visit the next week. LSU pushed really hard for him. And uh, I think Ole Miss was involved a little bit as well, Texas A&M. But at the end of the day, it just felt like he wanted to be at Mississippi State. And whether that be relationships with the coaching staff or the opportunity to come in and play right away, it just was a really good fit for, for him and for Mississippi State too. But like I said, I mean, you, you see a guy continuously going somewhere, that usually means something. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Uh, Creed Whitmore out of Gainesville, Florida. Buckholes High School is a wide receiver that's part of this class. He's a, what, can three-star receiver kind of across the board. Can we not are – y'all, are y'all going to get mad at me if I don't do star rankings on, on all these guys? That's fine. Uh, okay. No, you're, you're um, perfectly fine. Let, let's talk about Chris Parson for a little bit because this is one of the things that, that we've been – this is a player that we've been talking about, Robbie, for a while, and I know you and, and Hey Dad have as well on, on Thunder and Lightning, in that his makeup is different than the typical Mike Leach quarterback makeup was. More of a dual threat as opposed to a true pocket passer. What we don't know right now is what Mississippi State's offense is going to look like going forward. We, we don't know who the offensive coordinator is going to be. We don't know exactly what Zach Arnett's philosophy is going to be offensively. You would think that it would be some different than Mike Leach because Mike Leach was a unicorn in that he did things offensively in a way that nobody else in America did. There, there were there were um, footprints all over offenses. That There were... Um, Oh, what's the word that I'm looking for? You, you you could see elements of the air raid in offenses all across the country. But in terms of the true, pure air raid offense, Mike Leach was in uh, a fraternity of one that was still running it the way that he and Hal Mummy built it 30 years ago. We wondered out loud if bringing a guy like Chris Parson in was a sign that maybe Mike Leach was going to diversify his offense a little bit with with more of an athletic quarterback. So there's a lot of unknown here, right? So so what does Chris Parson bring to the table? And I wonder what it's like for him right now, not knowing exactly what kind of offense he's walking into. Yeah, that that's still a virtual unknown. We don't know if they're going to hire somebody that's going to run a you know, read option style offense, somebody that's going to run – Air raid concepts. Uh, I, I seriously doubt it's going to be anybody that is, you know, Mike Leach, that's going to throw the ball, you know, sixty-five times a game or anything like that. But the good thing is, I think you have a guy that is very smart. He can pick up an offense, and he's really athletic. And it's not just that he can, you know, just run around and things like that. He's a he's a really good thrower too. He went to Elite Eleven this year and had a really good showing. Was one of the most impressive guys there. Um, and I, th- I thought that when he came into this class, we were kind of getting a glimpse in the fact that Mike Leach was willing to adjust a little bit. And we've seen that again. You know, Mike Leach is recruiting in the 2024 class, was recruiting uh, Trey Petty from Starkville, which is another guy very similar to Chris Parson that can get out of the pocket, run a little bit, not your prototypical air raid quarterback. So 
I don't know if somebody got into Mike Leach's ear, if somebody, if he just decided he was going to change some things up. But it was obvious to me that he was looking for a different kind of quarterback than what he has had in the last 20 years as a head coach. And the special thing about Chris Parson is just his leadership ability. When you're talking about a guy that last week, when everything was kind of crumbling for Mississippi State, at least you know on the surface, losing its head coach and not knowing where things were going, he's texting all the recruits in the class and saying, hey, we, we need to stick together. We have a chance to be Mike Leach's last recruiting class, the, the last recruiting class of a coaching legend. That means something to him. And he's a he's a guy that, you know, believe it or not, he's from Brentwood but has a lot of ties to Mississippi State. His mom is from here. His grandparents still live here. His dad graduated from Mississippi State. So Mississippi State means something to him. It, he was genuinely excited when he committed to Mississippi State, and he's kind of kept that excitement through through it all. And he might not be the um, the highest-rated player in the class, but I think unquestionably he's the leader of this class. All right, let me zip through some names, and you stop me if there's somebody we need to uh, stop and talk about. Uh, next two guys listed as athletes, Jacoby Belazar from uh, Baton Rouge, uh, Ty Jones from Bay Springs, Bay Springs High School, Bay Springs, Mississippi, also listed as an athlete. At corner, Bryce Pollock from Snellville, Georgia, Shiloh High School. Defensive lineman Caleb Bryant from Vicksburg. Luke Evans, another corner. This one from uh, Hollywood, Florida, went to Chaminade, Madonna Prep. Uh, Tobias Hinton, a linebacker from Hattiesburg. Justin Brown, a wide receiver from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Joseph Head, an edge rusher. Tall at 6'4", a little light right now, listed at 210. Um, he comes from uh, from Lexington, Mississippi, and uh, at Holmes County. Seth Davis, running back from Katy, Texas, 5'7", 170. Zay Alexander, offensive lineman from uh, Tupelo. Uh, g- good player. Big kid also at 6'6", 350. That is a frame that you are looking for uh, on the offensive line. Yeah, you look at these offensive linemen, Mason Miller's recruiting, and they're big guys. Leon Bale, you mentioned him earlier. I mean, he's six eight, three hundred. I had no clue that this kid existed until last night. He he got an offer from Mississippi State literally last night, and you turn on the film, and it's really uh, just shocking how good he moves. Uh, so that's a really good late get for Mississippi State. He actually is a high three star or a four star on most networks, so his film is really kind of popping right now. But you look at some of these guys that are just massive linemen. Zay Alexander, 6'7", and they got some other guys in the last couple of classes that kind of go along with that. You know, Malik, Malik Ellis comes from the same place as Charles Cross and Laurel. Very similar frame in a lot of ways. This Charles Cross was very thin coming out of high school, so the, the hope there, I mean, he obviously doesn't have the high-profile uh, build as as Charles Cross, but um, you know the the, the offensive lineman I, I really like. We're going to uh, take a time out. We'll pick up with uh, this Mississippi State class, then we'll get to the Ole Miss class and the Southern Miss class as well. National Signing Day, Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Visit PearlRiverResort dot com. We'll be right back. To ride, I love you. Pretty 
for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Of course, supertalk radio stations all across the Magnolia State. No basketball getting in the way today either. We we had a bunch of stations that were late joining us yesterday because of Ole Miss hoops and a bunch of uh, stations that had to leave early because of Mississippi State hoops. And the uh, the results of those two games were a combined uh, 0 2. Yeah, that, it was that an, day. It was an ugh day yesterday. Especially uh, losing to Drake, just one guy. Uh, just, Hard to do. Yeah, but, you know. I'm sorry. Drake, I'm done with the dad Drake's jokes, okay? Yeah. I'm, I'm done. Holiday's coming up. I, I won't do it anymore. Drake. One guy. Ay, ay, ay. Borky. Remember when he released an album and it was just, like, club instrumentals and everybody got really mad? Actually, no, I don't. Yeah, it was a few months ago. But, hey, good college basketball player, apparently. All right, I'm done. Now, I'm done. Let's finish Mississippi State's recruiting class. We made it uh, We made it through Zay Alexander. Running back Jeffrey Pittman from Taylorsville. Amari Smith, an offensive lineman from Brookhaven. Malik Ellis, an offensive lineman from Laurel. Nakai Poole, a wide receiver at Norc- uh, from Norcross, Georgia. 6'3", Good size there with, uh, with Poole. Jalen Aberum. From Oak Grove in Hattiesburg, he's a safety. Gabe Moore, defensive lineman from uh, Louisville. Kelly Jones, cornerback from Starkville. I'm going to stop there for a second. Cornerback listed at 6'3 and a half, 180 pounds. There are people around Kelly Jones, and and Robbie, I I did not hear this from somebody that was tied to Mississippi State. This was I don't even know that it was an Ole Miss person, but it was. Kelly Jones is the next kind of under-recruited three-star from a smallish town in Mississippi that you look up in three years or in five years that's making an impact in the NFL. Yeah, uh, would not shock me in the least. I saw him at Top Dog Camp this year, which is Mississippi State's big summer camp. Uh, they do it at the stadium and all that, and just really flashes right away. I don't know if he's going to be a cornerback. I didn't. I, I saw safety when I was at camp, but he's been recruited as a cornerback. If he's a cornerback at six, he's listed as six four on our site. <clears throat> that might not. That might be a little more accurate. That's going to be a tall cornerback. But yeah, no he's doubt. definitely I mean, you're, got. You're wondering about hips and arms and legs going yep. all over the place, and the ability to. You know, we'll see. But he's kind of a freaky athlete, too. Like, he played, I think he played quarterback at Clarksdale. I mean, he played on both sides of the ball. And, I mean, you know, like, Clarksdale has had a long line of just great players come through there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he's another one of those that could do that. Under the radar, just like you said, I know Ole Miss got on him late. But State kind of identified him. Another one of those players out of the state that I think MSU does a good job evaluating early on. They have a long history of this. Doesn't really matter who the staff is. 
they do a really good job of evaluating defensive pieces um, and kind of seeing projecting where they're going to be. Um, you know, there's a lot of players that have come through over the years on that side of the ball that were three stars, didn't have any uh, scholarship offers, things like that, that have really become great players in the NFL. This guy has the ability to do that. He's got to come in and work, but that's one thing I'm not really worried about with him is his work ethic. At, at that top dog camp, he was one of those guys that was breaking line so he could get in there and do one-on-ones with the wide receivers. So he's a and cheater, a Robbie. Guys are... Robbie just said he's a cheater. Jeez, Robbie, come on, man. <laughs> I thought in the NIL era we stopped short talking cuts. about people cheating. <laughs> This cheating, I think you could live with. Yeah. Uh, when yeah, you have other guys so. that are kind of sinking to the, these guys are sinking to the back of the line. And he's breaking line to get up there and compete. Uh, that was something that really stood out to me. But yeah, I, th- I think this was a really good get for Mississippi State. They were sweating it a little bit because Ole Miss had put on uh, some pressure with him the last couple weeks, mm-hmm. and um, I think it, he had built a good relationship with Sunterine Perkins and Aiden Williams at uh, Miss Al game, and I think that. That played a factor into him listening a little bit, but State did a good job holding on to him. Zachary Tillman is a linebacker from Florence, Mississippi. Jaden Hobson, an offensive lineman from uh, Tuscaloosa, 6'5", 286. Uh, Keelan Crimmins, a punter, one of those Australian punters from uh, Pro Kick Australia. Maybe you have uh, have heard of that academy. That's where they all go, and then they get kind of placed in the United States. Eric Taylor, a defensive lineman from Trussville, Alabama, 6'4", 280. Uh, and then you've got the uh, the transfers, right? Uh, Leon Bell, Juco transfer from uh, Dickinson, Texas. Uh, and that was the guy that Robbie was talking about a few minutes ago that uh, hadn't really seen a lot of and uh, just got an offer last night and committed. And then Kamari Rogers, the corner, from uh, originally from Holmes County, transferring back home from the U., and uh, Radarius Jones from uh, Horn Lake, Mississippi, transferring from LSU to Mississippi State. He is a corner. So that's where we are with Mississippi State's class right now. Robbie, any final thought before we move to the Ole Miss class? I was going to talk about Kamari Rogers, and we've, we've talked a little okay. bit about the transfer portal and, and NIL and all that stuff. That's a perfect example of whether or not he goes to your school out of high school, you maintain that relationship whenever he – signs with that school, you leave on good terms, and when the opportunity comes comes around where he's going to enter the portal, you're sitting there waiting on him. And I think that's kind of the new age of things. Even if you're not going to get a player and you feel like he's slipping, going somewhere else, mm-hmm. leave on good terms, don't badmouth the kid, keep that relationship, and he pops in the portal and Mississippi State's waiting on him pretty much. That's kind of the – even if you don't get a kid on signing day, you're still going to have a chance to get them down the line with the way the transfer portal is, is working at this point. Also, 17-and-a-half-hour flight from Sydney, Australia to Houston. So, And he was a... Uh, do you get to he, do that in he first was, class or no? The, the punter was playing Australian rules, like football or whatever, and at 6'3", 200, like he's probably going to lay the lumber. Heck yeah. He he's not going to be afraid. He's going to he's going to do some. Uh, who who was the guy from Ole Miss? Mac, was it Mac Brown or yeah, Mac, it was Mac Brown was, yeah. was uh, last year? Wasn't it? A couple of Rip, years ago, that was Rippy's. That was Rippy's favorite guy. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping to see some of that. I've I've been wanting to cover an Australian guy or a guy that's just going to go out and lay you out if you decide to return the football. Yeah, 
I want to see that from Keelan Crimmins. Well, maybe you have uh, you have gotten that uh, now. So we'll uh, we'll see going forward. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Ceasefire text line is open at 601-879-4395. Sunterine Perkins is the leader of this Ole Miss cr- class. He's got the Army All-American game coming up, and you wonder if a performance in that game could perhaps lead to a fifth star. Uh, they're stingy in, in giving those out. Uh, Robbie, when when you talk to the folks at 24-7, do you hear any rumbling about whether or not that is a possibility for Perkins, who has just kind of impressed at every, like, every competition level he's faced, he's been as good, if not better, than anybody on the field? I haven't heard from anybody specifically from 247, but the way that we do our rankings, the, the top 32 players in the country are five stars. And having watched Sundering Perkins the last couple of years, it's hard to imagine there's 32 players better than him. Uh, what he did in the state championship game might have been one of the greatest performances I've ever seen from a player um, in those state title games. And he can do it on either side of the ball. I mean, it, yeah. If Ole Miss truly wanted to put him at running back, he would be a bruiser. But I, th- I feel like defense is probably where he's going to make his money. But six three two hundred has all the intangibles. Great kid, uh, really high character, and just an incredible athlete. I mean, I stood on the table for AJ Brown a few years ago to to have a higher ranking than he did, and that proved to be correct i would stand on the table for Sunterine perkins i feel like he's he's a guy that should be one of the top players in the country so among kind of the four national recruiting services 24/7 sports that that Robbie works with has him ranked the highest and in terms of national ranking at 35 espn's got him at 48 rivals has him at 71 and on 3 has him at 78 so you hear Robbie yeah, say not... just a second ago, I don't know of 31 players in the country or 32 players in the country that are better than him, and yet on three he's got him at 78? And, and in, if, fairness, if anybody in was... fairness, him signing with Ole Miss did not help his case for getting a fifth star. Yeah, th- not... there's no doubt he would have moved up. He would have got that, that, that old-fashioned Bama bump, wouldn't he? If he had gone to Bama or Georgia or LSU, there's no question he would be a five-star when the next five-star rankings come out. No doubt. If you saw him at the Miss Al practices, I wasn't there, but the people I talked to that were there said he was really impressive there. There's there's no doubt he's one of the best players in the country. Sports Talk Mississippi, we got more coming up with you. We'll wrap up the 3 o'clock hour in just a few minutes. Thanks for being with us. You can join us on the C Spire text line at 601 879 Four three nine five. We'll be right back. This is a place for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi.
Similar to Mark Twain, the rumors of Alabama and Nick Saban's demise have been greatly exaggerated. Alabama with the number one recruiting class in the country. No way. Six five stars, 19 four stars, two three stars, 27 total commitments. So we need to we need to walk through the rest of this Ole Miss class, but then we need to have a conversation about, and we did this off the top, right? We talked about different strategies in terms of recruiting. And Ole Miss's strategy is clearly transfer portal heavy. But Ole Miss is the only school that is a top 25-ish program right now that is taking this exact approach. I mean, I know Ole Miss is not currently in the top 25, but they spent the entire season. Robbie voted in the AP poll all year yeah. long. I mean, we can call Ole Miss a top 25 team program. Sure. Top 25 program, even if they're not a top 25 team today. Uh, others that, that I think are kind of comparable, Michigan State seems to continue uh, to do that approach with Mel Tucker. Florida State also kind of uh, leaning on more portal than than your average quote-unquote, top-tier program uh, like the Florida State brand is. But, yeah, most everybody else at the top of college football is filling up a class. We had a message on the ceasefire text line. It says, hey, guys, when we did the high school radio for a Raleigh game this year uh, and they brought the roster to the press box, they said it was pronounced Suntarian Perkins, not Suntarian, even though that's how it's spelled. We may want to double-check. We do need to double-check. Uh, I've had people call him Suntarian. I've heard Sunterine. I've now heard Suntarian. So Perkins. How about Perkins? I feel comfortable with that pronunciation. Or just uh, I'm just going to call him good. <laughs> I don't think you would be wrong for doing that. He's the kind of guy, though. We mentioned it, uh, and you know, after he affirmed his commitment, there was still that doubt uh, from Haydad, who's not here, that you know, it, uh, you, you still never know. But but it was done then, and it's done now. You can't let guys like that leave the state. You, you can't do it. If you're going to be a competitive SEC program, players of that caliber cannot leave your state. It has happened too for, much in the past. I was going to say, it's, it's been the case for a long time, right? And it's been damaging. If you look at all the guys that left Mississippi, imagine if they signed with a school in Mississippi, what, what would have happened? Now, you have kind of an interesting thing that happens, though. I mean, State's getting two guys back uh, who left, but... Often, more often than not, when when a guy leaves the state, they end up not panning out. It's interesting. They leave, and it's it's like it doesn't work where they go. <laughs> and then you get the Shea Townsend would like a word. <laughs> there are some, obviously. There's a there's a linebacker from ride. from Horn Lake that went to Georgia and was spectacular. So, uh, but more often than not, the guys that leave don't pan out. It's it's interesting. Yeah, I thought this year that State and Ole Miss both did a much better job getting some of those guys to come to school. And you mentioned Perkins and Williams. I mean, that's the top two guys. Dante Dowdle, I think early on, he has a lot of ties to Mississippi State. Did he State slow played him. Um, yes. Okay. I, th- I believe so. He had a ceremony earlier. Um, but I think, he had a, I think he had some ties to Mississippi State. State really slow played him. I, did, I never understood that because saw him in the 5A State Championship game last year and was absolutely sold. He is a bruising running back, uh, just a freak. 
Uh, and I, I've just, I never understood why State wouldn't go after a guy like that, especially with ties to Mississippi State. But he sticks with Oregon. And then you had Bray Hubbard from Ocean Springs and John Salter from South Haven. I'm not real sure how how much Ole Miss and State recruited him. He goes to Tennessee. Other than that, I mean, the rest of the – basically the rest of the top 15 all went to State or Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah, eight of the top ten. I mean, that's what you got to do, though. We've sat back and seen it too many times where good players have gone elsewhere, and it's hard to overcome that when you can't keep the guys in your own backyard in your own backyard. All right, so Perkins is clearly the the, the crown jewel of this small class that Ole Miss put together. But I would say, guys, that right behind him is Aiden Williams. And the reason that I say that is Ole Miss has not done a good job in recent years recruiting high school wide receivers. Right? You you really got to go back to when, when A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf came in. Both played as freshmen. Grew into that role. They both turned into NFL receivers. But for an offense that is known for throwing the football, kind of. Incorrectly I mean, known as an offense. In, in, incorrectly. <laughs> but, and running but, the football. Yeah. I, I think you would throw the ball more if you had more elite wide receivers. I mean, the strength of the offense has been the running game, and that's why they've leaned on the running game. Lane Kiffin has shown that he's willing to kind of do whatever he's got the talent for. They've kind of swung and missed on high school wide receivers in recent years. Um, you know, even though you, you, you think about Jonathan Mingo being a, a four-year guy, it took a while for, for him to develop into a, a difference maker in the passing game. Aiden Williams looks the part. 6'2", 190, Mississippi kid, the all-star game looked really, really good. We'll talk about uh, more of this Ole Miss class when we roll into the 4 o'clock hour with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. You better watch out. You better not cry. Better not pout, I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town He's making a list and checking it twice He's gonna find out who's naughty and nice Welcome back, 4 o'clock hour, Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Thanks for being with us. Robbie Falkin for Brian Haydad today. Michael Borky in his normal chair. I'm Richard Cross, and uh, we appreciate you spending a few minutes with us, or maybe spending a few hours with us this afternoon. Uh, PSA, it's going to be really cold starting tomorrow night. If you have not gotten uh, your home or office or wherever you reside uh, prepared for the super cold weather, you, you should do that. And I, I tell you that because I went to my local Ace Hardware Store, Shaw's, here in Oxford earlier today. And they did have a few of the faucet covers left, but they had sold their entire stock of 500 yesterday. They had sold another 500 today and were hopeful that they were going to get another shipment of them in tomorrow. Like every single person, Borky, that was in the store, and it was as crowded as it's ever been when I've been in there, had multiple styrofoam 
water faucet covers for their house. Yeah, so I know we've got a bunch of uh, of people that are, are contractors or, or people that work in HVAC. So so answer this question for me uh, because I the, the copper pipe that runs from your AC unit into your house, mm-hmm. I guess it's just called an AC pipe, right? The insulation on that deteriorated completely, just kind of fell off the pipe. Went to both big hardware stores in Madison, and neither of them had any insulation. But I could find a pool noodle. And so I cut a pool noodle yeah. and put it around there just so that nothing happens to that pipe, which I guess it's the AC pipe and we're not going to be running AC. But either way, is that bad? Like, is it going to melt? Do, do I need to go back before I, I leave for a few days and get the professional-grade stuff, or will the pool noodle, despite it being an eyesore, uh, function in perpetuity? It's hidden by a bush anyway. You're going to be fine. You're insulating okay. the pipe. It's, and that's it's, all, it's, it's, it's a foam tube. It's going to insulate the pipe. Yeah, okay. Cause I, but I don't know if it, like, it could melt or something, it just because the way the... The previous insulation just deteriorated. Ain't, so. ain't nothing melting in the weather that we've got coming up over, That's the, true. Next, it's, over the next couple of days. It's going to freeze mean, if, if nothing you, else. If you really want to make sure you're okay, you can wrap a towel around it and then duct tape the towel on top of the pool noodle, but I think that probably would be overkill. I think so. So You do uh, have to wrap a towel around I'm building, one pipe. I'm, I'm building a house right now, so I'm terrified. I'm not exactly sure what I'm supposed to do. Um, Hope. I mean, we don't really have yet? any running water. No, we don't really have any running water, so I guess nothing can happen there. But No, you're good. I don't know. Where, where are you in the building process? We're, we are we're finishing up cabinets right now, and then we'll have you know the floor going down. I, mean, the, I think the, the HVAC guy just finished today or supposed to be finished today. So we're we're closing in here. Okay. Paint happened. It's yet? been a fun process. Yes, yes, we got we we're we're done with painting for the most part. There's a few touch ups here and there. Still got countertops. But, to uh, still got countertops. Uh, waiting on the the uh, cabinets to be finished, but it's been a really fun process. Very very nerve wracking, knowing what's coming down the line with a mortgage and all that stuff. I was going to say, you, you uh, probably, when you started this process, didn't anticipate 7% interest rates. No, we did not. It was at like 55 when we first started. and It was great because we sold our house like at the like the peak of the market. Mm-hmm. So, it was, so I'm thinking, golly, this is perfect. And then interest rates went up to almost 7%. We were able to lock it in a little under 7 but I'm looking forward to possibly refinancing it at some point. But, you might be um, able to do that multiple times, like as as if we ever get yeah, to the point where yeah. they start falling. I mean, you and it would make sense that like you know to go from seven to five and a half, and then if it goes below five and a half down into the fours, to do it again. Yeah, I, I'm just excited. As long as I can live off of this, I'm I'm thrilled about the fact that I'm going to be out in the country, have my own spot, and uh, just enjoy life. I mean, it's like I told my wife, we've been planning for this. This has kind of been the end game for us for ten years. Okay. So, I mean, what else do we have to? What else are we are we really uh, pushing for other than to put our kid in college one day? I guess. But I mean, we have nothing else to spend money on. I guess. Good for you, man. I uh, I, I love a construction project. So yeah. Uh, somebody, in fact, says uh, on the ceasefire text line, Robert, just don't move as much as Richard. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's an so, annual thing. Uh, not quite annual. Not, not quite annual, but it's uh, it has been relatively frequent. Not all of it has been intentional, but here we are. I, th- I think we're I think we're in a place to stay just, for a while. Well, you need to get a chicken coop. That's when we've gotten our forever home. That's the first thing I'm doing. I don't know why I'm so obsessed with that idea, but uh, like Robbie, I, I want to be close enough to like a population center to where we're not driving an hour and a half to like you know go to Kroger in the mall, right? Uh, but uh, on enough property where I feel like I'm insulated from people, and the first thing I'm going to get is a big chicken coop. For some reason. I want one, and I want fresh eggs every morning, and that's how I'll know that I made it when I am able to buy a gigantic chicken coop in the back with some chickens that give me fresh eggs every morning. Six to seven chickens, something like that, just a good helping of eggs every day. Give them to friends and family if we get a surplus. That's how I'll know I made it. How stupid is that? But that's how my mind works. Uh, Mississippi State's new head coach, Zach Arnett, has a, a chicken coop. Nice. Oh, I need to talk to Coach Arnett then. We can bond over that. He is he is a perfect fit for Mississippi State. <laughs> he has cows. He has a tractor. He has uh, chickens. By the way, we're talking to uh, Zach Arnett on Thunder and Lightning live coming up after the show for those interested. There you go. From, Pretty excited uh, to hear to from him. He will be, is Hey Dad upset that you're doing that in his absence? I don't know if he cares. Right now he's eating good food. I think he went to like the the Anheuser Busch company uh, tours. I mean, he is living his best life right now. I don't even know if he's thinking about this show. Yeah, you uh, you could very well be right about that. Sports Talk Mississippi. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. Pearl River Resort is home of the sports book. At the Golden Moon Casino, if you want to be part of the conversation, you can join us on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. I love our audience, by the way. So I, I said that there? about the AC line? I was getting there. Okay. I didn't know if you saw it. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, hey, if you want to give your business the edge, you can uh, check out ceasefire business internet. Gigabit fiber internet. Blazing fast. That's all you need to know. It's faster than you can run, and it's faster than your computer can run. Check it out. Make your business the best. All right. Uh, what is it, Borky? Here's the response. Yeah, Borky, we- I sell that pipe. They're called line sets. Pool noodle will hold up. The insulation is actually more for the summer than the winter. In the summer, it's when your AC lines typically freeze because of how hard your AC unit is working. So before the summer gets here, just go to a... Uh, refrigeration store or supply store and they can give you the proper insulation there has never been a question that we have asked that was not answered by somebody listening out there like it's just us talking right that's what it feels like the people that are listening are not right here in front of me but there is somebody that does everything you can think of that is listening to us right now legal Mm -hmm. questions home questions car questions everything we have not had an unanswered question on this show ever. It's never happened. It never will. William and Leland just bought his third house yesterday and moved into the 10th different location since he's moved out of his parents' house when he graduated high school, and he is 30 and a half years old. I hear you, William. Nice flex. I, I respect that. I'm jealous. Uh, chicken coops are a lot of work. You're constantly expanding. Expanding? 
Well, I guess it's like once you start your chicken operation, you don't just, you know, it, it grows. That's what he's saying. Yeah, but I'm not going to have any roosters. It'll be all infertile eggs that I harvest on a daily basis. Just all hens. Gerard, uh, I'm sorry, Tim says, talk to someone with chickens, Michael. It's not as easy as it looks starting out. I have. I've got I've got a buddy that just has a pair of them, so not the you know half dozen that, that I have, but uh, they free range in the yard. The only thing I'm concerned about is the dogs because, as I've told the story on this show before, uh, a neighbor had a pair of chickens until one flew into our yard, and and then our neighbor only had one chicken. Uh, after, uh oh, Robbie, his dog ate the chicken, dog, dog, and the and the neighbor wasn't uh-oh. mad because he knew he wasn't supposed to have chickens. Yeah, so our neighborhood it's banned or whatever. Well, you're not allowed to have them. So uh, a Brittany Spaniel did what bird dogs do when the chicken crossed the wrong line, came in on its territory, man. Yeah. You yeah. suffer the consequences. <laughs> Uh, Borky, one, there's a suggestion for you to get a movable chicken coop. Uh, William in Greenville uh, lets Robbie know, don't let Richard tell you how to uh, burn things in your dumpster. Bad things happen. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, you just got to pay for them to empty Have you had a dump, You've had a dumpster got... fire before? Uh, yes. Yes, I have. Yeah, it was Quite in the pavilion yesterday. Hmm. <laughs> Sports Talk Mississippi. Uh, Back with you after this. Woo. Tonight... in Mississippi sports. You'll hear about it first, right here. Sports Talk Mississippi. The fireplace is burning bright, shining all on me. I see the presents underneath the good old Christmas tree. And I wait on light till Santa comes to wake me from my dreams. Oh, why? Cause that's Christmas to me. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Is that pentatonics or yes, home sir. or what? Yeah, you got it for the first time. Okay. They're good. My daughter was a huge pentatonics fan when she was about one or two. <laughs> and we listened. I mean, my daughter was like really into music early. And when we turned that thing on, she was a friend. <laughs> yeah, when we turned that stuff on, she was just a zombie. Yeah, great. I don't I know if there's all the different voices really, really or what. Good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, you can join us on the ceasefire text line at six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. Let's see here. We, we need to go back and we were having some fun to begin the four o'clock hour. Yeah. We need to go back and, and finish out. Is there anything I missed, Porky, that we need to get to on the text line? Uh, no, it's all uh, back to the off-topic stuff So uh, to get us back. Uh, Richard, I don't know how many people you've talked to today, but I've gotten a couple messages myself, uh, people that are uh, that are mad. Oh, this was a failure. Signing day was a failure. That kind of stuff. I, I don't know what it's going to take for, for Ole Miss fans to adjust their – some Ole Miss fans – some of them get it, to adjust their mindset. You, you can disagree with the strategy, but you shouldn't be surprised that they would have signed at most 15 guys. They missed on a few today. There's no denying that. They missed on a few. But intentionally, they were keeping the class small because they are, again, going to go after players in the transfer portal. And I had somebody say to me on Twitter, well, I, I thought... 
I'm quoting him, I thought we had $10 million. I thought today was supposed to be an all-time great class. Well, first of all, $10 million is a lot of money for Ole Miss. It is not a lot of money compared to Georgia or Miami, apparently, or Oregon or Texas A&M, despite Jimbo again ranting about tampering in NIL again today. A&M is spending out the you-know-what to get players. You don't have that much, so you have to approach it differently. You either have to hope beyond hope that you fill up a class. $10 is a lot for about 95% of the schools in the country. Yes, it is. But when I've got people asking me, well, well, Alabama signs 25 guys. You're not Alabama. I mean, newsflash, breaking news, you are not Alabama. If you tried to do it the exact same way Alabama did, guess how it's probably going to go? How do you know that? Because you've got decades of sample size that tells you if you try to recruit the exact same way as Alabama, you're going to lose. And and maybe portal building is not the best roster building. Maybe something else will work. But when you say, "Well, they do it," why can't I'm quoting that? Why can't we do it the way they do it? Because you're you're going to lose. What is more likely to hit? What you've done last season and the season before, get, getting guys like Chance Campbell and Mark Robinson and Jackson Dart and even guys like J.J. Pegues, or adding guys to your roster that you don't think can play at the SEC level. Ole Miss could have signed 25 guys today if they truly wanted to. They could have offered some kids that are you know, low-level three stars outside of Mobile or, or whatever and, and filled up a class today. They certainly could have done that. But in their minds, whether or not you agree or disagree with this doesn't matter, in their minds, they think that is a waste of time and a waste of roster spots because most of those guys can't play in the SEC or won't become SEC players and in a year or two will transfer out anyway because they're not playing. So would you rather them go get low-level three-star that they're not sure well, they're not even playing the SEC or go get the defensive back that has given you three years of tape playing college football? They've got to hit. They have got to hit these portal guys. It is vital. The class is small. They they have got to hit. It is of utmost importance. But questioning the strategy because that's not how Alabama does it, I think is a little misguided. Because if you try to do it the way they're going to do it, you're not going to be able to do it as good as they're going to do it. So why not try something different? And it's kind of worked for you so far. What is it going to take for people to to adjust their mindset and understand that at least they're trying something unconventional. Yeah, so so I'll pull one of your phrases and, and give you the two things can be true. Like, I agree with everything that you're saying. There's a, uh, there's a mindset adjustment that's got to take place. This is what the Ole Miss staff uh, believes. And, and let me give you an example. There is a um, – I'm going to try to not make it too obvious player that I'm talking about. There is a player that was a, a good player in the state of Mississippi who was recruited by D.J. Durkin when he was the defensive coordinator at Ole Miss and was probably going to come to Ole Miss and play for D.J. Durkin on that side of the ball. When D.J. Durkin left to go to Texas A&M and they had the transition, there was a few weeks of time period where this recruit didn't hear anything from Ole Miss. And so his coach 
reached out to Chris Partridge, and Partridge said, yeah, we've been on the road, we're trying to kind of get some things in place, trying to figure out exactly what we're going to do, let me get back to the office and I'll get back to you. And after that happened, he reached back out, and the, the coach that was involved, actually, he's like, look, Ole Miss did right by this kid because they were straight up with him. They said, we're not going to take a high school kid for that position. We're going to get one in the portal. Now, could DJ Durkin have pushed that through if he really wanted this kid? Yeah, he could have. But that was DJ Durkin's guy. That wasn't necessarily Chris Partridge's guy. And so when they met as a staff and they said, you know, do we want to take this high school player who's not a starter when he steps on campus but has a chance to develop into a really good SEC football player, or do we want to get a guy who maybe has played in the MAC or somewhere else and has proved it on the field at the college level, they chose to go that route. That player was being recruited by multiple SEC schools and signed today with another SEC school. And it's a guy that you may look up in three years if he's playing really well and go, well, how did you let that one get away? And they made a strategic decision, right, wrong, or indifferent. There was there was rationale behind it. No, we would rather go get an older, more mature portal player than try to develop a high school kid into what he might can be. We'll see how that strategy pays off in the long term. We're still relatively new into the whole how do you want to build your recruiting class. So my point, Borky, about you you using the thing that multiple things can be true, yes, mind shift is necessary if you're following Ole Miss recruiting because it's not going to look like everybody else does. Number two, this is the other part that's true, you've got to sign more than 11 kids out of high school if you're going to build a roster. And and I know you said, yeah, you know, probably wanted to be 15. I, I don't know what the number is, but only signing 11 kids from the high school ranks, when you look around the SEC, and it's not just Alabama, to your point a second ago. Let's just go SEC. Alabama, 27 commitments. Georgia, 26. LSU, 25. Florida, 20. Tennessee, 25. Texas A&M, 18. Auburn, 19. South Carolina, 22. Arkansas, 20. Mississippi State, 24. Ole Miss, 11. Missouri, 19. Kentucky, 17. I mean, you you look around the SEC, you look around at the neighborhood that you live in, and it's drastically different. So what does that mean? I mean, does that mean that Lane Kiffin is smarter than everybody else? That he just believes in a different process? I don't know. It, it, it's it's a risk. It is absolutely a risk, but there's only two teams in the SEC that have won more games than them in the last two years. I, I was about to say, if Ole Miss beats Texas Tech a week from today, they will have won 19 of their last 26 football games? And that's 19 wins in the last two seasons. That has happened one other time since the 60s. So, so you know, when people say that you can't build rosters that way, maybe you can. Maybe you can. Yeah. But 
again, one, if if they beat Texas Tech, which is a game they're favored in, we'll see, they will have done something that has only happened one other time since the 1960s, in their program anyway. Only two teams in the SEC have won more games than them in the last two years. It, it, apparently, they're on to something here. We live in the recru- in the radio world. Robbie lives in the recruiting world. We're going to ask Robbie about this um, this plan, this strategy, when we come back. Because it, it's a fascinating one, and it's one that merits conversation. More coming up with you. Sports Talk Mississippi and the Pearl River Resort Studios on National Signing Day, Wednesday, December 21st. Sports Talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells. I don't know if we ever got to the actual rest of the names in the Ole Miss recruiting class. After Perkins and Aiden Williams, you've got Kedrick Riscano, the running back out of New Candy, Texas. Braxton Myers, a quarterback, uh, cornerback out of Coppell, Texas. Uh, Jamarius Brown, a defensive lineman out of Moss Point down on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Bryson, excuse me, Bryson Sanders, uh, interior offensive lineman from Baylor School in Chattanooga. Ahmad Brown, a safety from uh, Cordell, Georgia, Crisp County High School. Daniel Demery from uh, Parish Episcopal in Dallas. Javante Connor from East Forsyth in Kernersville, North Carolina. Ethan Fields, uh, another offensive lineman from uh, Dutchtown High School in, um, well, that's right outside of Baton Rouge. Skyler Mann, who is a linebacker from Fort Valley, Georgia. Josh Harris, transfer from NC State, defensive lineman. That was a big get for uh, for Ole Miss there. Uh, Jeremiah Jean Baptiste, who is a transfer from UCF. He's from Homestead, Florida. A good player at UCF. He's been a, a starter for a couple of years for them. Uh, Going to come in and play linebacker, but he can also kind of go to the edge. They and, recruited him in high school, and and things got weird. Not the current staff, previous staff. What was he a twenty eighteen commit? 2019. 2019, yeah, things got weird in, in his recruitment, like wanted to commit but couldn't because like didn't get offered but was told. Anyway, it got weird. Ended up at UCF, and, and now he's returning, I guess you can say. Yeah. And then Caden Davis, the kicker that's transferred from Texas A&M. So that's where Ole Miss is today. Uh, small group, right? Rel- relatively small class. Not relatively. They will do a lot. In the uh, or we'll try to do a lot in the transfer portal. And somebody pointed out, you know, you've got another signing day in February. I understand that. Fewer it's just players, a really though. small number of players that will be signing then. Got a hit. It got a hit. It's again, they tried to get more today, but the the portal is vital. It, it has to work, and that's the risk in the strategy. Is it's sound in logic because you're going after guys that have played college football. Troy Brown had a bunch of film. When he was healthy, he was exceptional. You know, it was easy to evaluate Troy Brown because you know he could be a good college linebacker. The issue is, though, if you leave all these spots open and you don't find the Troy Browns or they go somewhere else, then it leaves you in a hole. So they have got to hit. It's it's of utmost importance. They've done it before, but it has to happen again or else today is a failure. 
Rundown on Southern Miss's class so far, 14 high school players, three from the junior college. Uh, of those high school players, 10 are on offense, five are on defense, two on special teams. Uh, took two quarterbacks in the class. Uh, overall, 13 offensive players, eight defensive players, six portal signees, three on both sides of the ball. And and we'll focus there on the portal signees for uh, Southern Miss. MJ Daniels out of George County, Loosedale, goes from Ole Miss to Southern Miss. Eric Thomas, an edge rusher, goes from Arkansas to Southern Miss. Colby Cage, uh, an Arizona transfer, originally from New Orleans. Uh, Gabe Cavazos or Cavazos? Help me out on the last name. Cavazos. 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 Yeah. Uh, originally from Lake Corbin, I didn't. I didn't realize. I didn't realize he had, he had announced he was transferring there. Yep. From uh, from Mississippi State to Southern Miss, six five two ninety two. Holman Edwards, uh, a quarterback originally from French Camp Academy, going from Houston to Southern Miss, and Billy Wiles transferring from Clemson to uh, Southern Miss. Also a uh, a quarterback from Ashburn, Virginia. So a couple of quarterbacks there, and maybe the biggest news. I don't know that's surprising, but big news nonetheless. Trey Lowe, who started at the end of the season at quarterback for Southern Miss, is now in the transfer portal. So he is leaving, and uh, Southern Miss, they, uh, they're they trying to figure out the quarterback thing with uh, a couple of transfer quarterbacks and a couple of high school quarterbacks in this class as well. So it's a, uh, a big quarterback. The, the I, high school quarterbacks, Austin Gonzalez out of uh, Plano, Texas, and who was the other one? Ethan Crawford out of uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I was going to say, I covered three of these guys in the Starkville Daily News area. Uh, Chris Hayes from Starkville, Quez McNeil. He was our defensive player of the year a couple years ago uh, from Choctaw County. And uh, Holman Edwards. I like all three of those guys. I like what they're doing there. Mm-hmm. Um, they've, they've, really, they've racked up on these guys that are bounce backs from... Mississippi State and Ole Miss. So those guys have, whether or not they've, they've actually played or played a lot, they've been in an SEC weight room. They've been in SEC practices going up against other SEC players. They're going to come in there with a, a different kind of mindset. So I you know, I like what they're doing. Of course, Luke Rogers from Brandon, Will Rogers' little brother, got a mean streak to him. I think he could be really good. So solid class so far, I think, for Southern Miss. So... Robbie, going back to the conversation before the break, um, where we talked about you know kind of a mind shift, uh, <clears throat> mindset change for for Ole Miss fans, as Borky was talking about, I, I mentioned that I think multiple things can be true. Yes, you're going to have a little bit of a shift in mindset and what signing day is going to look like, but also it feels like you need more than 11 high school players uh, in a class. Maybe I'm proven wrong on that, and many others are as well. But when you look at this strategy that, that Lane Kiffin and his staff have gone with and the fact that nobody else is really doing that. I mean, UCLA is the only other program that's kind of got numbers that look like this today, and they've got 14 early but are leaning heavily on the transfer portal as well. What, what do you make of it? I think it's it's an interesting strategy. I think if it if it works out like it did this past year, it's great. But I don't know if you could bank on that. I, and I don't think they really had anything to lose with what they did in that class last year. It was going to be kind of a rebuilding roster anyway with what they were losing. 
and they were able to go all in on the portal and get some some impact players to mix in with some of the guys that they that they had coming in. I mean, Quinshawn Judkins, I don't know. I mean, y'all might feel differently, but I wasn't expecting what we saw from him this year. I was kind of expecting um, Zach Evans to be that that guy. But you got your quarterback. He came in and I thought really kind of steadied the ship a little bit. You had some really good pieces on both sides of the ball that made what could have been a rebuilding year a really solid season for for Ole Miss, and they have a chance to win nine games. Now, that's like perfect world, pretty much. You're hitting on all these players out of the portal. You're putting you know all your eggs in one basket with a lot of these guys. Uh, there, there, I feel like there needs to be a little bit of a balance. But again, I mean, if if Lane is this magician and he's able to consistently get – these kind of players in year in your year in and year out, everybody buys in because that's another thing you have to consider. Everybody's looking for playing time immediately. They all want to get their their share of playing time, and it's going to be tough when you sign fifteen plus every year to to get that same amount of playing time that all those guys want. That's another thing that you have to factor in. But I think I just I still think it's a little too early to know whether or not this is an effective strategy. But um, obviously, you know it, it's going to be. Lane Kiffin's strategy moving forward. That's what he's shown in the in the last two recruiting classes. Well, I mean, if you think about it, they 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 absolutely can point to results, right? When when they say, yeah. okay, got guys that have come in through the transfer portal uh, to to make the most of a, a short amount of time, they've got results that they can can point to. Whether it's Chance Campbell from a year ago or Troy Brown from this year on the the defensive side. Look, Zach Evans. He didn't play a full season, but Zach Evans had a really good year, and he didn't yeah, have and he to still carry almost a thousand yard rusher. Yeah, and on that note, it, go ahead, Robbie. Well, I was going to say the the one thing that you have to consider too, Lane Kiffin. I, I don't know how it how he does it, but everybody seems to get their share. You know that they're able to run the football as well as they do, but they're also able to to throw the football around a little bit. His offense is an exciting offense. It's something that, you know, it, it seems like it, they might not be spreading the ball around to receivers like Mississippi State has in the air raid, but they have two or three wide receivers that are getting big numbers. They have mm-hmm. two running backs that are getting big numbers. The quarterback is able to do things with his legs and with his arms. So, uh, you know, to me, it, he's been able to kind of back up. I mean, everybody kind of got their, their share last year. So... He obviously, like you said, he he has a pitch to those guys. And I don't know if y'all saw this, Eric Gilbert is back in the portal. Is that a guy that you think Ole Miss goes after this time around? I mean, this is his third school, but that's a guy that you know kind of was stuck so behind some it was, great it was, players at Georgia. It was LSU and then Georgia, and now at yeah. it again. Yeah. The talent's mm-hmm. undeniable. They already have an Eric Gilbert on the roster, though. I don't know. <laughs> If you want to, um, that's about as specific as we need to be, I think. But hey, I mean, a little bit of a transition there. I mean, I think everybody knows what you're talking about. I think this bowl game is a big one to watch for Michael Trigg. Suspended for the Mississippi State game in the Egg Bowl, missed a lot of the season because of injury. Felt like he was healthy the last couple of games, last maybe three or four games of the year, but didn't really push to get back in. There have been some reports that in bowl practices he's been pretty engaged and pretty involved in what they were doing offensively. 
I think in some ways this bowl game for Ole Miss against Texas Tech is an opportunity for Michael Trigg to kind of press the reset button after a season that did not go the way anybody had hoped or envisioned it would for the guy that was wearing number, what, zero? Isn't that what number Trigg is? Yep. Yeah, zero. Yep. Uh, so we'll see. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. There is one glaring absence in the Ole Miss class, and that's quarterback. They lost that guy two days ago. The best. The best. Sports talk in the state. It's the best thing. Say that again. We the best on three. One, two, three. We the best. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Text line. Not sure which one of you mentioned wrapping outside faucets, but I had just left for the deer camp, and needless to say, I did a 180 and went back and wrapped my faucets. See, you guys are more than just talking sports head. Thank you. You are welcome. Yeah, yeah, and and Shaq Bully, whatever that cost you in time, saved you in that bill for burst pipes. Yeah, because this isn't your typical winter, man. I mean, even when we had that, oh gosh, was it? February of 2021, when we had the five days of ice, where we braved the elements like Jon Snow with the wildlings. Oh, 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 that was when uh, trying to get away. No, that was 20. Was that 2020? Are you sure? 2021. It was the the year that. uh, Yeah, State and Ole Miss were going to uh, Dallas or Arlington. That's right. And they both had to get on the, the planes together. Yeah, and I said 2020 because I was thinking COVID, but it was after that in 2020. Yeah. So it was the 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 college baseball showdown basically said fingers in the air to any COVID restrictions. Thank you, Texas. And we had about twenty thousand a game for those games. It was. Yeah. Robbie, did you go to that? I was going to, but I couldn't get out of the garage. Uh. The the ice in my garage. You know, how, like when you drive in the garage, sometimes you have like the little dip. But the ice had had accumulated all the way up to that dip, and I literally could not back out of the garage for for like a week. I don't think you tried hard enough. I mean, I thought you could uh, you could have gotten out and broken up the ice and gotten the door up. I, I think you were looking for a reason. Not. Could have, could have. I was really excited. I had I, I booked hotels and canceled them like three times. I was really excited about that because that that stadium is really cool. Oh, and that great. whole event. You know, they have, like, everybody in that event was top ten. It was spectacular. And we're, we're, it was high-level We're level pretty baseball. much all projected. Yeah, that yeah. that was a really good uh, weekend. I was I was upset about that. I, uh, let's see. Ole Miss played Friday, it was scheduled to play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And you remember they ended up pushing it back a day and making the tournament Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And yep. so I was supposed to fly out on Friday, I, I, I I lost track of the days. Whatever it was, I drove to Memphis to spend the night so I wouldn't have to take an early flight and woke up to a notification that there was no water at the Memphis airport and therefore all of the flights had been canceled. And so drove back to Oxford and then drove to Birmingham and got on a different flight. Oh, it's crazy. But we made it. It it all it all worked out. 
it all. Hopefully, works. we don't have the. Hopefully, we don't have those issues with the pipes and infrastructure and all that stuff this weekend. Amen. Yeah, this is going to be. It's going to be colder than that. A lot colder than that. I mean, it feels like temperature will be in the negatives here. So, if you were fine last year, it doesn't mean you'll be fine this one. And we're just not built for this. I mean, we just. It's kind of like the the ice thing. I mean, the other places. You know, we might be able to to sur- to to survive the week and ride around and stuff. We, we were literally literally secluded to our homes during uh, that week. So I mean, we're just I mean, we're just not built for this stuff. I, it's probably a, a personal flaw, but I love bad weather, and I love it because I just refuse to do the I'm locked to my house and not leaving thing. <laughs> And so it's like I'll drive anywhere, I'll try anything, I'll throw a chainsaw on the back of the truck just in case. You know, get to something where there's a tree down and cut it down. I I don't I don't know. It's like the Paul Bunyan in me comes out or something. But my wife kept going, You really don't know to need to be on the roads. So I was like, I gotta go check and see if anybody needs any help. <laughs> it's like that was my <laughs> rationale. I'm going to get out in this and prove that I can drive in it. But it was it was yeah, it was a mess. It's like the dad and us that when a tornado's coming, we got to get in the front yard and put our hands on our hips and look into the sky and searching for a funnel. I mean, a hundred percent. I do storm. that all the time. What was it last week? The the storms that were blowing through. There was a tornado warning at like eleven thirty uh, for our house. I didn't wake anybody up, but I was awake and it was like, all right, let me go out on the porch and see how bad this looks. I just went out and stood there for like five minutes with the rain blowing and the trees whipping. I was like. All right, I think it's going to miss us. We're going to be all right. I'll go back to bed now. <laughs> Everybody can sleep well. Oh, me. Chris sends me a, uh, a message uh, and says that where he works, they could easily have sold 300 hydrant covers today. I mean, I think everywhere that sold them, just as fast as you can get them out the door. I probably need to get on that. Ooh, Richard probably owns a snowmobile. I don't. I do not. I've I mean, actually never ridden a snowmobile. It's very similar to an ATV. Yeah, I mean, I figured. But uh hadn't done that. I want to, badly. I, I want to do a snowmobile ride at uh, at some point. But no, I don't think I'd get a whole lot of use out of a snowmobile around here. It'd be great to have for the one time you needed it every three years. But um, it seemed like that'd be a great investment. Five o'clock hour. That means college football fix. When we come back, we'll also take a look back yesterday at Mike Leach's memorial service. Robbie Falk was in attendance. We'll get some firsthand thoughts from that. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk. Sports Talk Mississippi. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Four days remaining Christmas just around the corner. December 21st, Wednesday afternoon. Glad to have you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk.tv in the Pearl River Resort Studios. 
Visit them online at Pearl River Resort to find out all that is happening, all that is going on. But don't stop there. You want to visit them in person, whether it's at the Golden Moon or the Silver Star, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, or when things warm up a little bit at uh, Geyser Falls Water Park. Tons happening, live music and entertainment as well, all at Pearl River Resort, online at pearlriverresort.com. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Robbie Falk in today for Brian Haydad. We've been talking about National Signing Day. I think by all accounts, pretty good day for uh, for Mississippi State. Uh, I think a fine day for Ole Miss based on what they were trying to do. Uh, pretty good day for Southern Miss as well, continuing to build through the portal and mix in some high school kids. So, uh, you know, I think largely a lot of good, but very much incomplete, especially if you're talking about Ole Miss and you're handing grades out. Incomplete would probably be the word of the day. The The, the group of players coming into the program today is going to look a lot different five months from now, yeah. six months from now. I mean, you'll you know, get some that will come in in – they don't have to sign essentially until the end of January. They can push it till then. Remember, Jackson Dart didn't enroll at Ole Miss until like January 31st, like two weeks into school starting. Uh, they can push it about that long. So if the guys are going to come in for spring, they've got to sign by the second week of January. But you're going to have a post-spring portal entry as well. I would be willing to bet that there is going to be at least a guy that joins the team in August. Or or in July, anyway. Yeah, you uh, you certainly saw that uh, a year ago. Hey, if you want to be a part of the conversation, we'd love for you to join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business, backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do, right here in Ceasefire country. Check them out online at ceasefire.com. Slash business question on the ceasefire text line. Are you guys going to be on tomorrow? Yes, we will be on tomorrow. That will be our last show of the week, Friday. Um, a Mississippi Christmas hosted by Steve Azar will begin at one o'clock and that will go uh, through Christmas Day. We'll be back with you on Monday and uh, then we will be off next Friday as well. Uh, so the 30th, I think. That's the right day. The thirtieth is a uh, day that we're off. Anyway, the Friday before New Year's. Let's get to the college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Don't stop there, though. You can test drive the F-150. 45 straight years, F-Series has been the best-selling truck in America. Test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Yesterday, we had the uh, memorial service for Mike Leach at Humphrey Coliseum in Starkville. Exceptionally well attended. You had people from all over the country who came in and were part of that special day for Mike Leach. Uh, guys like Lincoln Riley, the head coach at Southern Cal, and Lane Kiffin from Ole Miss, and Bob Stoops, the former head coach at Oklahoma, and former Kentucky head coach Hal Mummy, and Houston uh, current Houston head coach Dana Holgerson, and Sonny Dykes from TCU, and Gardner Minshew from the Philadelphia Eagles now. 
all coming in to pay tribute, along with the commissioner of the SEC, Greg Sankey, Will Rogers, Mississippi State's quarterback. Robbie, you were there to to see it all, to take it all in. What was, uh, as you walk away from it, have 24 hours to reflect on that service yesterday, what stands out for you? Just how impactful Mike Leach was. And not not just, I mean, we had a video from Toby Keith up there talking about, you know, uh, how fun Mike Leach was, how good a friend he was to Toby Keith. I mean, it, he transcended football. He was a, I mean, he he was friends with Matthew McConaughey. He was he was friends with uh, Cole Hauser Rip from Yellowstone. He just was um, a special special person that I don't think we truly um, recognized was that special while he was here. I I have regrets for not being able to truly recognize that, and I don't think it was until last Monday that it really struck me just how influential he was nationally, not just in college football but beyond um you know he had political uh figures he was friends with he had actors and singers <clears throat> he was somebody that the, the thing that really stuck out to me over time was he was somebody that could have a conversation with literally anyone and never big timed you he never acted like you know you weren't worth his time you know, I go back to the other night at Hey Dads. I know he spoke a little bit about that, about him being at Hey Dads. I mean, just the time he spent talking to a young kid about uh, woodworking. And uh, I think he bought uh, something that the kid had made and took a picture with him, took time to, to have a good conversation with him. Uh, there was a story that came out on, uh, I think Ross Dellinger wrote it on Wednesday, about how he supported a local restaurant, mm-hmm. uh, a black-owned business in Starkville, WTF, delicious food. But uh, I think the you know the restaurant needed some help financially. He was one of those guys that that helped. He he always uh, would have that business cater for him, things like that. He was just a guy that you know behind the scenes did so many things for so many people that you just didn't really understand. And when you start hearing you know Lincoln Riley talk about how influential he was to him, Gardner Minshew mentioned you know he'd be a he'd be a coach right now if it wasn't for Mike Leach. He really meant everything to the people that were close to him in his life, and that that really is what stuck out to me spending time uh, watching that ceremony yesterday. The uh, the quote in the story that Ross Dellinger wrote that uh, at Sports Illustrated from Shan Suber was, I was down to the wire. I was going into debt. He helped us stay open. I'm forever grateful. Suber was on the cusp of closing the business in September of 2020 when Leach learned of the news, came to the restaurant one day and wrote her a check. She wishes to keep the amount private, but it covered her bills and lease for at least a couple of months. She said, we were hanging on by a thread. I didn't ask for anything. He willingly did that. I don't know why he chose me. So those are some of the off-the-field anecdotes that just continue to, to pour in about Mike Leach. When we come back in a few minutes, uh, we're going to hear from Hal Mummy, who, alongside Mike Leach, created the air raid offense. Uh, it's about a four or five minute clip, so we'll hold it until after the break. But um, 
hearing Hal Mummy tell the story of how this offense came to be is something that if you didn't hear it yesterday, you're you're not going to want to miss. Uh, really, really neat stuff. So the setup yesterday, Robbie, was what? The stage was um, on one end of the Coliseum, and then most of the floor was covered with seats. And then, what, the yeah. sides in the Coliseum were where kind of the general public that came were, were allowed to sit, or maybe all the way around? Yeah, um, the you know behind the stage there was there there was nobody sitting in those seats. It was uh, the the chairs on the floor were Leach's family, friends, um, you know, kind of the dignitaries of the of the day, and then the football team too. They brought the whole football team in there to watch that, and then everything else was just fans um, and things like that. And uh, the media were sitting in the nosebleeds again. That's where you should be. Just stay out of the way. Yeah, good I mean, vantage I, point. That's the section that you're uh, you're comfortable with, and uh, uh, they don't they don't want anybody to see us. Well, one of the things that I've heard over and over is that um, it was really well done. That that the people behind mm-hmm. the scenes who put that together, you, you know, you think about a memorial service, and sometimes those things drag longer than they should, uh, and that was not it. It moved along. And it was really well done, and really seemed to be meaningful for everybody that was involved. It was about an hour and a half, but I don't think there was any time where you thought, "Gosh, I wish this thing would hurry up." I mean, it was just—it was really interesting to hear all the thoughts and comments from everybody. I thought Gabe Marks, the former Washington State player, was outstanding in the things that he said. Uh, Gardner Minshew was really good. Got a got a little bit of a gasp from the crowd when he dropped an f bomb. <laughs> but uh, that's 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 Garner though, and that's that's why he and Leach work so well together. I think, but um, it was really well done all the way down to you know before the event, playing a lot of Mike Leach's favorite songs in a playlist. It was it was just an outstanding event put on by Mississippi State. Sports Talk Mississippi, more coming up with you streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We will uh, we will hear from Hal Mummy. When we uh, come back, co-creator of the Air Raid Offense alongside Mike Leach from Mike Leach's memorial service yesterday. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports. On your radio and in the game. Super Talk Mississippi. Landing in Orlando and Mike wanting to make the most out of having to drive 10 hours to Key West to get one player said... uh, I know these people, they have a spring league down here called the World of, I think the, the World League of American Football. And it's being coached by this guy named Don Matthews who had gone to win six Grey Cups. And Mike said, I know one of the coaches there, maybe they'll let us come visit. So we called them and we, they were very gracious. We went over there and we're walking out to practice and I looked at Coach Matthews and I said, what's your best drill? And he said, watch bandit drill at the end that's where we practice our two-minute offense and so mike and i were standing there watching it and we were just we'd seen two-minute offenses before but never this well organized so he uh it was just so good and we just looked at each other and we immediately knew we had found our edge but we weren't going to do it in two minutes we were going to do it all the time and and so we took it back and put it in and then we proceeded in the rent car towards Key West, but along the way we stopped off 
to visit Dennis Erickson at the University of Miami. And we wanted to know how they threw the ball deep so well all the time, vertical routes. And we waited around for the receiver coach after practice, and he's kind of slipped out. And then uh, we're just kind of standing out in the hallway by the coach's dressing room, too shy to talk to anybody, really. And Dennis came out in his boxer shorts and his T-shirt, and he said, what do you guys need? And he said, we want to know about vertical routes. And he goes, well, come on in. So he took us in the coach's dressing room, showed us how, how to stack cornerbacks and how to throw vertical routes and so we added that to the package and then uh, the next stop was Key Largo where we signed a tackle we managed to sign more than one player on this trip and uh, but his the important thing about that was his dad uh, after we signed him took us uh, deep sea fishing for red snapper and we did that for a whole day and then we got back in the car and we proceeded to Key West now this is the key part of the pirate story right here so the first place, we, we had driven around all these places in a 1984 Ford Taurus trying to find all these ideas to put into our offense, put into what we were doing. And uh, this was the ultimate trip. We finally made it to Key West because the whole time we would drive around, we would listen to Jimmy Buffett all the time. It was just, that's all we played. In fact, I tell Jacqueline, my wife, now I kind of miss the 80s and the 90s in terms of music. All I can really tell you about is Jimmy Buffett, <laughs> and uh, Mike was kind of the same way. But we uh, we knew about Captain Tony's, and we knew about Tony Terracino, who had been the mayor of Key West, and he was in his 80s at the time. Had this fabulous—he basically was the pirate. And so we go to Captain Tony's, and we sit on two bar stools at the bar, and we're just kind of looking around at all the paraphernalia and everything, all the history in there, and we stay there for a long time, and it gets to be about one o'clock in the morning. Now, I, I couldn't hang near as good as Mike Leach. I have to go to bed around one or two, or I may pass out, but Mike could, he seemed to get stronger as it went on, you know? so I, I said, look, Mike, I have to go to bed, but if you want to stay, go ahead, so I went back to the hotel. The next day we get up, we're eating lunch, and he looks at me and he goes, you're going to hate me. I go, why? He goes, because you're going to be so jealous. I said, why? He goes, well, when you left, Captain Tony Terracino came and sat next to me on that bar stool you were on. And then he proceeded to tell me the whole story about how Jimmy Buffett wrote Last Mango in Paris about his life. He said it was so great, and I know you're jealous now. <laughs> that was Hal Mummy yesterday at uh, Mike Leach's memorial service inside Humphrey Coliseum. Last mate go in Paris. Throw the last boat out of Saigon. Sorry. He was really no- good, Hal Mummy. Yeah. I would. I would just. I would pay. To have been on that trip with them, hmm. or or any trip or any conversation. I mean, th- think about that. They're at a small school in Oklahoma, trying to get players, trying to figure out what they're going to be, and they are ultimately trying to recruit a kid out of Key West. 
And they fly into Orlando to get a kid out of Key West with a 10-hour drive and a Ford Taurus 1984 model rental car. And, I mean... Because I because they really wanted to go on a road trip. <laughs> they, they made and a they road can, trip out of it, right? They convinced the president that they were going to actually recruit players, so he gave them $800 for a plane ticket, and it basically got them down there to Orlando, and that was it. <laughs> but that they just they just wanted to go on a road trip. They just wanted to go chill for a little bit. How about uh, we get a suggestion on the the ceasefire text line, Borky? I think our friends at Polks would be okay with this, given that Friday is a um, a, a company holiday, and we'll have Mississippi Christmas with Steve Azar, a food Thursday where we talk about Christmas food plans. I'm down. I am. Yes, mostly related to eggnog and the bourbon that I put in it, but okay, everything else is secondary. I mean, prime rib, love prime rib on Christmas. Like I'm gonna eat something, but I don't care as much what we eat as long as the eggnog is good and the bourbon I put in it is good. Then I'm good. Okay, do you have a specific bourbon that you put in your eggnog? It doesn't matter as long as it's expensive, so I feel important. I can't buy expensive <laughs> bourbon myself, so it's mostly like when I'm around my dad. Like I, I hope he's got some, and then I could take advantage. Because because at home I've got I'm working on like you know an old bottle of not to diminish, but an old bottle of Knob Creek that, that I'm working on. So not like you know green label eight dollar fifths that I would buy in college. It's it's a tier up, but it's not anywhere close to the top shelf. You know. I understand. Got to have some good sweets on Christmas. That's the most important thing to me. The the um, white the white chocolate uh, Chex Mix stuff. Ooh yeah, is great. I dug into that stuff the other night. I couldn't. My stop. grandmother also used to always make Buckeyes at Christmas. The uh, the peanut butter balls that were covered in chocolate. Yep, love those. Oh yes. I grew up thinking that a football team was named after that. Yeah, well. I mean, that's okay. I mean, at least that's edible. The actual Buckeye nut is inedible. Yeah, I mean, if you try to chomp into the outside of a Buckeye, you're going to be sorely disappointed, Mm. and you're going to have a trip to the dentist coming up. So that would even be a better mascot, honestly. We need more edible mascots. Edible mascots. Okay. (laughs) But in the honor kind of way. I, I mean, are Arkansas fans doing whole hogs before games? I don't think so. Or maybe they are. That feels morbid. But stuff like that? Yeah, the Arkansas fans doing may, hogs. Yeah. I, I feel like Arkansas might a, occasionally, but it feels like it's more when Arkansas is a road team, the fans of, of the team that is hosting Arkansas always feel, feel compelled to serve barbecue. And usually you've got somebody that, hey, that's an excuse to do a whole hog. So... Anybody show up in uh, in cargo shorts and flip flops yesterday as uh, as an homage? That would have been great. It was kind of cold. It was kind of cold. I think in Tampa you will absolutely see some flip flops and cargo shorts. There were a lot of uh, the the state pullover sweatshirt that he wore. There uh, were a lot of those. Those are those are selling like hotcakes right now, and I, I'm pretty sure he kind of like made that. Like he like he saw that sweatshirt and he made it like a crew cut, 
uh, or whatever the the crew neck or whatever the crew um, neck, yeah. that kind of sweatshirt is. Yeah, yeah, crew cut, so, flat top, uh, he, haircut. That's, not not that's your right. haircut. Uh, no, not at all. You should I, try I don't a remember crew the last cut. haircut. Don't think I could pull it off. It, when I start losing hair, when I start having a receding hairline, all that stuff, I'm I'm shaving it though. I'm not gonna be one of those guys that has the the comb over um hanging on for dear life. I have like one <laughs> little strip right here in the middle. Everything else is is bald. I'm not gonna be that guy. Not gonna be that. I'm I'm living it up right I'm living it up right now because I still have some decent hair. When's the last time you got a haircut, Robbie? I got a trim maybe like a couple months ago. Okay. I took it's, my grandmother absolutely hates uh my hair. She hates it. Mm-hmm. And so I took her I took her to the um the beauty shop or whatever and I told um the lady cutting her hair like could you give me a trim like make her happy or whatever. So I got a haircut and well it was a trim and I was like oh it looks nice. She was like what did you do? Do you still have long hair? <laughs> Nothing changed. She was disgusted. I just spent $12 or $20 or whatever, and I just got like a few hairs cut. I thought okay. it was a good a good trim, but... Uh, Borky Wood, is there a Honey Bear college mascot? The Honey Bears? Honey Bears? I don't think so. Hmm. Fighting okra, though? That was a good one we got on the text line. You can eat that guilt-free. Yes. Hopefully without the fighting. Sports Talk Mississippi. Half an hour left with you after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports Talk Mississippi. You know I love sports. On Super Talk Mississippi. Sleigh bells ring, are you listening? In the lane, snow is glistening. A beautiful sight, we're happy tonight. Walking in a winter wonderland. Gone away is the bluebird. Here to stay is a new bird. The Chicago Honey Bears were a cheerleading squad for the Chicago Bears of the NFL during the late 70s and early 1980s. The group performed at Bears games at Soldier Field. After Super Bowl XX, the squad was disbanded, and currently the Bears are one of just seven NFL teams that do not have cheerleaders. Do you know the other six? Well, Texas A&M's not an NFL team, although their payroll looks like they are. (laughs) They're not. Um, They're not. (laughs) I know the Saints do. Okay, that was not the question. It was the Saints. Uh, well, that I'm don't. process of elimination. I mean, yeah, I know but, I know but, it's been yeah. a couple decades since you took standardized tests, but it's still fresh in my memory. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm a Steelers fan, and I haven't seen Steelers cheerleaders. You are correct. The Steelers are one of the six that do, or one of the seven that do not. So we've got Pittsburgh and Chicago. Okay. Uh, a little surprised by one of these. The Los Angeles Chargers. Wow. Do not have I was have just thinking about them. That's pretty wild. The New York Giants, no cheerleaders. No cheerleaders for the Green Bay Packers. No cheerleaders for the Cleveland Browns and no cheerleaders for the Buffalo Bills. Those are your seven 
NFL would, teams with no cheerleaders. Would you sign up for being out there in, in a – well, not you personally, but would you think somebody would sign up to be out there in negative two degrees in a cheerleader uniform? Well, I mean, if you think about that, kind of those, makes sense. That, that's why the Chargers doesn't make sense to me. I mean, it seems like L.A. would absolutely have a cheer squad for its football team. Makes sense in Chicago, Buffalo, Cleveland, Green Bay, New York, and Pittsburgh. I mean, the Lakers cheerleaders dance team, whatever, is like, you know, iconic. It's right up there with the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. So you would think, you know, being is in Los Angeles, Angeles girls, that would that make sense. Called? The Laker girls, yeah. Yeah. So you would think being in Los Angeles, that would Which, make sense. I don't know if they can continue to do this. Guys, we will not go down this road today, but I did read through. Did, did you see that um, Stanford University had put together a list of uh, words that should be eliminated? Yeah, because if you say, I'm American, that is implying that being from the United States means you're better than being from a different country in North, Central, or South America. So you mm-hmm. can't say, or I guess they haven't been banned. They're not going to expel you for saying I'm American. But it has been strongly suggested to not describe yourself as American anymore because it might imply that you're better than other American countries. So we're banning the truth now. Yes. I would say, newsflash, we are, but... You don't want to hurt somebody's feelings by being in first place when they are not. Uh, I want to briefly talk about this, and then we'll kind of go back and recap some signing day stuff. This story is wild to me. Carlos Correa was done, right? Carlos Correa to the Giants was done. 13 years and $350 million is what they had agreed to in principle, and it would have tied Bryce Harper for the longest free agent deal in baseball history. And would it set Correa up to be kind of the next star, the next face of the San Francisco Giants. But the deal fell apart over what Scott Boris called a difference of opinion, close quote, concerning Correa's physical. And then the Mets swooped in and picked up where they had left off in negotiations a week or so ago when it kind of looked like San Francisco was going to be the time. Steve Cohen The owner, the multi-billionaire owner, richest owner in baseball, told the New York Post, we need one more thing and this is it. This was important. This puts us over the top. This is a good team. I hope it's a good team. The payroll for the New York Mets this coming year, by the way, take all your Yankees jokes about buying a team and shove them where the sun doesn't shine. The payroll for the Mets this year will be $380 million. The luxury tax bill for the Mets will be larger than the total payroll of eight Major League Baseball teams. Whew. And obviously there wasn't anything too concerning in that physical if they're willing to make a 13-year deal. Well, the Mets, the Mets, did, the Mets went big. 12 for 315. The 13-350 the was what San Francisco was going to do. Uh, the president of baseball operations for the Giants said... Uh, would not say what the difference of opinion was, but he did wish the shortstop well. He says, while we are prohibited from disclosing confidential medical information, as Scott Boritz stated publicly, there was a difference of opinion over the results of Carlos's physical examination. We wish Carlos the best. Boris told... What could that be? I don't know. I don't know. 
Boris told The Athletic that San Francisco had, quote, reasonable time to still move forward with the deal, but the team was dragging its feet on things in his medical record that happened decades ago. He says, we reached an agreement. We had a letter of agreement. We gave them a time frame to execute it. They advised us they still had questions. They still wanted to talk to other people, other doctors, go through it. I said, look, I've given you a reasonable time. We need to move forward on this. Give me a time frame. If you're not going to execute, I need to talk with other teams. And when that time frame opened, the Mets pounced. Steve Cohen said we kind of picked up where we were before, and it just worked out. The Mets have committed more than $800 million to free agents this offseason, and their competitive balance tax, or the luxury tax, projects to be $384 million. Wow. By the way, wouldn't you like to have the Christmas bonus for Scott Boris and Jimmy Sexton this year? Just yeah. just, just give me the Christmas bonus. I can live off of that for the rest of my life. Yeah. So, Jimmy um, Sexton was reeling it in this year. And every year. And every year. Um, uh, we I should d- talk about this again when Haydad returns, just for, uh, <clears throat> for fun. Oh, let's be nice. You got college football coming up tonight. Western Kentucky and South Alabama. That could actually be a really entertaining game. The RL Carriers Bowl in New Orleans in the Dome. Uh, perhaps you get seven figures of an audience again. Probably so. Easily. Eight and five Western Kentucky, ten and two South Alabama, coached by Kane Womack. That could be a fun game. South Alabama looking at its first ever bowl win. So will the Western the Western Kentucky quarterback decided to stay put, didn't he? Yep. So you will get Austin Reed in this game tonight. Austin Reed threw for this season. He threw for four thousand two hundred forty seven yards and thirty six touchdowns. South Alabama team that a little bit more built on defense. So uh, that'll be fun tonight in New Orleans in the Dome. You know, Austin Reed, if you're going to watch, and the numbers say some of you definitely will because it's football, it's on your TV. Uh, Austin Reed is the type that, like Grayson McCall was last year, he could have, I bet Auburn would have taken him. There's a lot of places that he could have gone that are quote-unquote better than Western Kentucky had he stayed in the portal, chose to stick around. And those are the kind of guys that if you think this new era of college football is ruining the sport... Well, you have one guy that is, is sticking with his the, the place that gave him his shot. So enjoy watching him tonight in the New Orleans Bowl. He's one worth of your time. Tackles, He's a good player. Gunner, one of their tackles, Gunner Brenton, Mississippi State's recruiting him out of the portal. I think he's actually playing in this game uh, tonight. Hmm. And State, I think he visited State a couple of weeks ago. I, I didn't think that you could still be with the team if you were in the portal, but... I guess I was wrong with that. It's crazy. No, you, you can be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for example, Luke Altmyer has been practicing with Ole Miss for uh, through bowl practice, and missed at least really? one practice to go on a visit to Illinois. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, an interesting That's dynamic. I, I imagine that coaches can say no, right? I mean, if a kid hits the portal and and you can tell them to go away, and and you saw the news right that came from the NCAA earlier this week in that. 
Yeah, you can play. If players have played in four games, they can actually participate in a bowl game without it counting as another game that would void a redshirt year. So, theoretically, Luke Altmyer could play in the bowl game if he stays with the team through the bowl game for Ole Miss against Texas Tech on December 28th and still not lose this year of eligibility. Yeah, if Dart rolls an ankle, then Luke Altmyer's coming in the game and it doesn't hurt him. Yeah. We got some quarterback news. Graham Mertz, the Wisconsin, former Wisconsin quarterback, is headed to Gainesville to play for Billy Napier and the Gators. Is this a good thing for Florida? Graham Their Mertz fans was, weren't very happy. No, nah, he was highly recruited. He was the highest he was the highest ranked quarterback recruit ever by Wisconsin. And there was that one really good game he had. <laughs> there was that one. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Apparently your brother-in-law is not pleased with us for not giving you a harder time today, Robbie. That's that's showing up for me on the ceasefire text line. <laughs> hey, man, that's your job. <laughs> we'll wrap it up with you coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi. This is your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Magnolia trees at night, sparkling bright. Fields of cotton love, wintry white. When it's Christmas time in New Orleans, a barefoot choir and prayer fills the air. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi. One last time with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Reminder: you got thunder and lightning on the radio coming up across the Super Talk Mississippi network immediately after this show ends. That's from six to seven tonight. Robbie Falk. Hosting in place of Brian Haydad, and uh, he will have Zach Arnett on as a guest tonight, the new head football coach at Mississippi State. Robbie, uh, kind of but before you get to that show, in summation, we've talked about Mississippi State's signing day. How how would you how would you grade this day today for for Mississippi State? Just the the fact that they had a week to to hold everything together after losing the head coach. It's an A plus just for that reason alone. The class itself is probably around where most Mississippi State classes are. It's not one that's just going to jump off the page as uh, anything special from a recruiting standpoint. Mississippi State's somewhere around twenty five to twenty eight usually. Sometimes they'll fall to thirty or something like that, but. If you if you really kind of break down recruiting classes and you look at the percentage points or whatever that two four seven puts out, anything from like sixteen to twenty eight is is like a just a, a minuscule point away from uh, the differential, I guess. So I mean that to me, if you're living in that twenty five to twenty eight range, you're okay. But 
just the fact they were able to hold that together. They got the guy they really needed in Isaac Smith. They filled every position that they needed to fill for the most part. And they'll go out and they'll go get some transfer portal guys to, to fill up some more spots. It was a total win for Mississippi State. So, I, you know, I, I look at the class and I don't see a whole lot of holes in it for, for the Bulldogs as far as what they're trying to do because, like we mentioned, they they have a much different mindset and how they handle this than, than Ole Miss. They're going to develop these players. They're going to redshirt some of these guys, and a lot of these guys might not stay around very long with the new era of football, but that's their game plan. That's what they're wanting to do, and we'll see how it works out for them. You know, it's Ole Miss, you talk about ranking. Mississippi State, I think the – and I know you're a twenty four seven guy, but I think the on three rankings kind of take the average across all of the rankings to get where they are in Mississippi State's at twenty six in the on three rankings, and Ole Miss is at thirty two there. If you sort it differently, where you look at the the average player rating, uh, Ole Miss is at thirty two because this class is so small, right? They're they're eleventh. Yeah. They've, they've only got eleven players in the class. If you sort it by the player ranking, that pushes Ole Miss up to 15, just behind Clemson and just in front of Florida State. I look, that doesn't really matter, but it does, I think, speak to the quality of the class that Ole Miss has, just not the quantity of what they've got. And so we'll see how that all shakes out. Uh, we talked about Southern Miss earlier today. Um, transfer guys, once again, that look like they could be some difference makers, some, some impact-type players. And then a focus on the state of Mississippi, right? I mean, that's that's kind of how it's been for uh, for Will Hall. Um, you got Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, Mississippi, Alabama, Mississippi, Mississippi, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, Mississippi, Mississippi, Mississippi. Uh, there's another one from Alabama, and, and then you get with some more Mississippi guys. So. Southern Miss has put together, this goes back to the strategy conversation, right? Mississippi State's focus has been on high school guys, guys that they can develop. If there's an opportunity to add elite-level players, they add them regardless of where they're from. But 53% of Mississippi State's recruiting class is from the state of Mississippi. Ole Miss goes little bitty recruiting class, only 11. High-end guys in Mississippi, and then kind of cherry-picking from other places, and then hoping to filter the transfer portal and a very defined strategy for Will Hall once again. A lot of Mississippi kids, transfers that have got ties to the state of Mississippi, and then regionally grabbing a few others to fill needs. A lot of different ways to go about the building your roster process. And I don't know that one way is more right than the other, But there are varying strategies regardless of where you look. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon. A very different feeling National Signing Day than we've had in years past. Not a lot of surprises today. And uh, work still to be done for, uh, for everybody that is out there. Robbie, thanks for joining us, man. Fun being with you for the three hours this afternoon. No, I appreciate you guys. I didn't cough as much as Hey Dad, but... Hopefully I provided something. You didn't belly laugh either. I love the belly laugh from Hey Dad. We didn't get that. 
Michael Borky in the big chair. I'm Richard Cross. Don't forget, Thunder and Lightning is coming up next. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Genteel Apparel. Visit them online at genteelapparel.com. Good night. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWGEmployerServices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.